Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. Hi Alex. Hello. Nice to meet you. All good, thanks. Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah. Uh, how was your uh, your time away in Portugal? You feeling recharged and fresh? Yeah, you could say that. It's quite mental to be honest. <laughs> Nah, that, but yeah, that was great. That's that was awesome. Now I just want to say, first of all, I really appreciate your time. Um, you're the you're the first lady that I've had on the podcast as well. I wanted to to get the right one, so I don't know if that I don't know if that's good for you, but it's uh it's it's good it's good it's good for me. So now I really appreciate it. Um, uh, no worries, no. I've I've done my hair and uh, put a bit of aftershave on for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, what what we'll do, we'll we'll fly straight into it because, to be fair, when I was obviously I'm, I'm a fan anyway, but I was doing research about the start of your career and it, it goes back uh, quite a way. So obviously there, there's a lot to discuss. So like with all the guests that have on, no matter where they're from in the music industry, whether it's DJ, producer, festival owner like yourself, singer and songwriter, I like to go right the way back and discuss like your your early days maybe like your influences and how you first got into the industry so i'm guessing were you pretty young when you realized that you had the gift with like songwriting and you know being being a vocalist and what were your kind of influences in terms of songs or artists when you were growing up wow there's a lot of questions in there <laughs> <laughs> obviously your influences and then when you thought to yourself maybe I could make a career out of it I suppose through any people that I've met that are either singers or songwriters I suppose when you're younger you never really think you're going to make a career out of it it's kind of like a passion and then as you grow older you think oh actually oh you did oh fair play I would go for it. Um, didn't ever know that I would. You know, I mean, that would. 
you know, it's something that I would do whether I was successful at it or not. Yeah. No, that's yeah, I mean, that that's good. Um so in terms of like how how it developed, were you? I think I read somewhere that you, did you write your first song when you were about sixteen, like proper kind of song? Yeah. And then how how did it take off from there? Like how old were you when you moved from Leeds to London? Was that like a natural progression or? No, when I wrote well, my first song, it wasn't really anything popping off. It was just like just creatively. I, I think I went to like a studio in Chapeltown, which is where I'm from in Leeds and just laid it down with like a producer but I think there was quite a few other people doing that you know it was like a project kind of thing so that wasn't really anything of substance or professional um my first ever release was when I was in university and it was a drum and bass release a drum bass track with a collective called Hold Tight uh, a track called Dirty Habits that went on um, Andy C's compilation album which was very proud of but yeah I got totally knocked <laughs> totally knocked with that one um it was like three producers and me who I'd written the top line, I'd written it and sung it. Um, and I had to split it with all three of them. And I was a bit like, that, that don't make no sense. Like, yeah. I, wrote it, I should have to, and you should have, you should, just because it takes three of you to screw in a light bulb, it doesn't mean that I have to. Yeah. <laughs> my percentage. But I did just, just to get the track out and stuff. And uh, I haven't seen a big bean since. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I mean, that's one thing we'll discuss later on because I'm sure that's probably lessons that you've learned from earlier on in your career. And then, mm. like you say, you, you're already naturally confident, and I kind of I got that before you even joined, which I think is really good, and hopefully that will inspire a lot of young. There's a duality though. There's confidence, but also I, I can be quite shy as well. Yeah, yeah. What setting it is, and I think most people are quite like that. Confident in certain areas and very shy in others. Yeah. So. With you saying that your your first proper release was at university, did you yeah. like when you were at school and college and university, was music always the primary focus and everything else kind of you thought fuck maths and fuck English, I'll just concentrate on the music. <laughs> positive that your mum was encouraging you to actually pursue your dream and do something you want because sadly there's a there's a lot of people who like their parents whether it's you know like through cultural backgrounds um or just through their own parents upbringing that their parents want them to be a certain thing whereas it was good with with yours that she realized obviously your talent and that's what you really wanted to to do so obviously mm-hmm. it got, at least you can, you can say it wasn't wasted anyway <laughs> so I think she'd have encouraged me to do anything that I was excited about you know she did, my, my parents are really dope in that sense of just like you know whatever it is that you want to do we'll support you in it you know even if you want to be I don't know 
a florist. I don't know. Anything, yeah, yeah. You know, anything that I was excited about, like, they were excited for me. So. Yeah, that's that's really good. So I, w- I was interested though with the move that you made. Obviously, you um, resided and, and grew up in Leeds, and then you moved to yeah. London. Was the move to London primarily through realizing that maybe progressing in the music industry might have been a bit easier with like the networking and you know studios and producers or was it actually not even related to music and then everything just kind of opened doors or mm. it was like two things at once i uh, my sister went to university at the same time as me so she went to london and i went to manchester and um i came down to visit her and when i was in london i met up with a friend of mine who's it was her little sister's birthday and I used to carry my CD in my back pocket them days. I just like, you know, any tracks that I'd like recorded. And when I went for this barbecue, um, DJ Target was there and Danny Weed was there. Um, Dan, I think Danny Weed was going out with her little sister at the time. And she was like, hey, me choose, say me choose. <laughs> so I just banged, it, I banged on the CD and they were like, yo, this is sick. Come down to the studio the, ne- uh, the next day. Um, you know, we should jump on one of the tracks for Royal Deep. We're making an album. Yeah. And so I went down the next day, was supposed to just jump on one track, ended up jumping on three, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, just, just really got on with the guys and stuff. But then I went back to Leeds and uh, I don't know, maybe about a month later, Wiley called me and he was like, yo, Al, man, this is sick. Like, you should come down to London, do some more recording, let's work on a project for you, da 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 so I was like, cool, that sounds cool. Uh, so I got a train ticket and I came to London, got to London, tried to phone him. <laughs> Didn't answer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, Wiley. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, think, I can't remember what the story was, but I think, it's, I don't know whether it was to do with the studio. I don't know what it was, but he didn't answer the phone and I wasn't best pleased. So I phoned Donny um, and I was like, yo, man, what the fuck's going on? This is not cool. So him and da- Darren came, him and Target came and picked me up at the station. And they were like, sorry, he's just like this, this is what he's like, fucking hell. i tell you what, it's a good job I wasn't late for this podcast, otherwise you'd have fucking dropped the headphone on me. But then I think, well, yeah, I think pretty much there and then, they decided to sign me to a production deal. So I signed a production deal with Danny Weed and Target, and they basically um, promised to develop me as an artist and work on some tracks. For, uh, however long it took and get me a record deal and a publishing deal um, so that's when I moved down to London obviously my sister was already here as well so I had a friend base and a place to live um, and, yeah. and they lived quite close to as well she lived on the Isle of Dogs so I came down and yeah just continued to work with them and just developed and they did they got me a, a record deal with Brown Punk which is Tricky's label um, and a publishing deal with Blue, uh, Blue Mountain which I signed on my birthday if I remember correctly um, so yeah that was really cool it, nothing really came of the record deal in the end I mean I got to keep the money which was great but uh, that was a bit uh, and then <laughs> with the publishing deal that was real cool I got uh, one of my tracks was used for uh, um, an American TV series called Drop Dead Diva um, so it was really nice to a, get the money and be paid to be creative, but B, have your music played on American TV series. It was like the end credits of the whole series. So it was Mad. like, really like, whoa, it was amazing. See, that's yeah, what I noticed about um, JK. He had, uh, was it Tooth Ape was on Power, one of the credits, JK from Birmingham. And it's oh, mad yeah. how I think some vocalists and, and songwriters think, you know, that 
it's through radio plays but like you say they're a really good point when you've got people that are helping you with publishing the amount of different mm. revenue streams or different ways you can actually break as an artist is 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 mad uh really so i didn't i didn't even know that that's uh that's sick about that was pretty mad as like a an artist you were like you're watching this program and on the end credits like something that you'd done yeah that's class um, yeah so did those guys sorry carry on do apologize no 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 go on go on go on go 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 i was gonna say in terms of um your relationship with roll deep then do you think that was yeah. um you know like a real pinnacle and turning point in terms of you know you developing and obviously breaking uh, as an artist like their oh, influence and their connections to discuss is that do, do you feel that obviously it was the right move moving from Leeds to to London but obviously you know Leeds is a is a big city I know that it's up north and people always refer to London as you know the capital the the hot spot but I know it's very difficult at the moment with everything that's going on and there's a lot of things that are on hold in terms of you know I mean not not necessarily releases but especially if you're an artist who's wanting to break through I'm sure you would agree if you're a DJ, you're a producer, you're a single songwriter, it's it's very difficult because you could have a massive release now, but you wouldn't even be able to go on tour or gig because like, it's just it's not it's not possible. But would you advise people to to move to somewhere like London or do you feel that it's not always an absolute necessity? Like you can kind of stay put and stay Yeah, you're not gonna 
find them anywhere. But yeah, I, I definitely think that the opportunities far surpass those that you'll ever find, unfortunately, up, up north. Yeah, it is. It is true. I mean, I, I was I was exactly the same, but I, I grew up in a small town. Um, and obviously, I know this podcast is about you, not me. But it's it's true because that resonates with me. What you're what you're saying is it's strange how you'll find. I mean, I don't know if you found it personally that where you grow up, as soon as people start to see you being a little bit successful, there's like this resentment and bitterness, and you think, why the fuck would I want to stay around here if the people that are supposed yeah. to be supporting me aren't supporting me, and then. And then you fly the nest and then all of a sudden you meet people you don't even know and they're bigging you up more than the people you grew up with. It is, it is fucking mad how it works, to be honest, yeah, but that's, that's life. It is mad, it is mad. Do you know what? I never really experienced that because I feel that I came away. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of, I just, I removed myself anyway. So by the time yeah. I've gone back, everyone was like, yeah, go on, you're ripping the ass. You know? <laughs> so I was always, do you know what I mean? Like I wasn't really... Well, maybe it's just the people that I was around, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I didn't really experience too. Not that I know of, anyway. Perhaps they're all, like, cussing me behind my back. Nah, nah. From what I'm aware of. Um, Yeah, you know, people have been real supportive from back home. and um, Yeah. yeah. Now, that's that's really good. So, um, I think I came across you a a couple of years ago. Um, It was maybe when I first probably got into house music. Obviously, I listened to... You really releases on um, your likes of Knee Deep in Sound, and obviously then I went all the way back to the Roll Deep stuff was like 2012, something like that. Okay. So I've looked across like your discography, and I was amazed at like the amount of different artists that you've worked with. So correct me if I'm wrong. You've got everyone from like Rex 3-2, Tinchy Strider, Low Stepper, Basement Jacks, and then now the past couple of years you've gone. A, maybe a lot more electronic across the side the spectrum to like mm-hmm. Sonny Federa, Hot Sense 82, Seb Zito. But um, I know that it's probably difficult and obviously you don't want to, you know, place favouritism on every on anyone. But obviously each collaboration probably holds a special place in your heart. But what, what was probably the standout ones for you where it was like a proper tick off the bucket list or one that you walked away at the end of it and thought, I've smashed it there, like I've done done a, done a good job? Um, I mean, Basement Jacks are definitely a bucket list, you know, collective, like, they're just, I mean, they're an institution, and working with them was just amazing. Um, Felix, like, I worked with him mostly in the studio, and he's just so out there in terms of a producer, um, he'd sort of make, he'd sort of do, like, obviously he can't sing, but in the way that he would sort of translate to you what he wanted to do, he'd be like, go,
the sort of more urban vibe, and which I loved and was probably one of my favourite periods of just songwriting kind of thing. Um, but again, I'd always done sort of house music in the background, um, and so I guess just eventually that started to sort of take off, really. Yeah. I like how you said there that the initial work that you did with Roldy then led on to the work with your likes of Reps 3 too. And what I always say to anyone is you can be like yourself. You can write amazing songs in your bedroom, but unless you put yourself out there and and you network and you build good relationships, then most of these things are never going to come about. But um, I'm intrigued to know, I know that you said it was through Roll Deep, but... How did you find yourself personally, like building more connections? Like, did you have a good team around you? Like, did you have a good manager or agent? Or was a lot of it just you going out yourself and hustling and going to parties and like events and things like that? How did you build relationships with so many different kinds of artists and then eventually work with them? Just different, I guess, at different times it was different things. I think that, um, again, once you do one thing and if you do it, with love and integrity but you know it tends to kind of trickle along like I didn't I didn't reach out to Rex he reached out to me I didn't reach out to Gets he reached out to me do you know what I mean like, so I didn't sort of go looking for these things I think that they just heard the stuff that I was doing um with with, with the Roll Deep stuff and I, I basically I've done a couple of tracks that were more like they weren't really, really released but you know in, in the scene people would have heard them so they probably just heard them there and then they reached out to me. Um, but I, I, having said that, though, I think like I, I did like a lot of showcases back in the day. And I think that that's always a good way to meet people. Um, I, I was doing them I was alongside Ed Sheeran and Jesse J. And it was like everybody in the music industry. You know what I mean, I thought it was like everybody there. And I think that they're definitely... I don't even know if they do them anymore. Um, but they were amazing um, places to network. Um, but again, like I think that they have their day as well. Like you can kind of do the circuit and be doing it for a while, and I think it's good to know when you've earned your stripes at, at, in a certain area of trying to get somewhere. Yeah. Like if you've been doing the showcases for a while and it's not working for you, and you haven't got your deal, these people are flying, and da, 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 then try something else. You know what I mean? Like try try sending acapellas to people. Do you know what I mean? Like try writing a song on top of a beat that's already been done. Um, and do your own version of it, you know what I mean? Like, do a refix or something like that. Um, and just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's really good. That's, it's all good. So, with, with you saying about the showcases, was that, like, using lots of different, like, intimate venues in, in and around London, where, you know, like, your cool, quirky, kind of edgy venues that were considered you know, hotspots, because I read a lot of, like, from an artist manager perspective, you read a lot of these magazines around, you know, like, artist managers will go out to certain parts of London because they'll think, like, that, maybe that bar or that little venue, that's yeah. known to, like, breed talent. Did, did you find that yourself? Like, there's certain hotspots where it naturally I attracts think talent. Just, there were just a lot around at the time. Again, I wouldn't even know if, what, what, uh, it looks like now but there was just a lot around at the time so for example there was the night called I Love Live and it was run by Alec uh, Twinby who's now the head of Island Records and his brother is the head of Atlantic Records you know what I mean so like there were, and then there's like right, uh, yeah there were just there were just loads at the time I don't know whether there still is uh, I'm guessing that there is because there, there needs to be places for A&R to go and check people playing live 
live music. I mean, not now, but yeah. Um, obviously, this is this is you know a little while ago before really the internet uh, is what it was. Do you know what I mean? You know, was what it. Is that, yeah, you know what I mean. Oh good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a very different time, and I'm sure that people can kind of tap into you know people's Instagrams and get a bit more of an idea of an artist visually um, and see them playing sort of live sets via their. Um, via their streams and stuff like that but um yeah there just seems to be a lot more live stuff at the time yeah definitely i mean that's that's an interesting point as well is obviously over the years how it's changed because of the influence of um social media um and obviously i I suppose it's it's probably been a bit of a learning curve for you because obviously you know you you've been through it when it was probably literally mainly face to face um but like now it's almost like I wouldn't say there's an over reliance on social media, but it, it goes it goes without saying you want you have to be able to play the game with social media. Um to obviously it, it helps with exposure as well and like you say it's um it's maybe not that necessity to have to to go out all the time. If if you know, if you could record an actual video of yourself singing something that you wrote in your bedroom it's mad how that video if it gets noticed by the right person can make more of an impact than being in a venue it's mad there's there's something to be said for going out and performing live and and you know the 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 strikes that you get from doing that because yeah you know it is very different singing to a camera than to sing to to a sea of people and it's very different to sing in an intimate space where everybody's looking at you and everybody you can see people's reactions and responses you know i actually prefer i don't know if i prefer either sometimes i prefer just a sea of people because you can't see everybody looking back at you and you kind of just can go for it a bit more um but then when you do really good and you've got you know these people literally sat feet away from you there's something so magical about that and to sort of be able to hold your peace you yeah. know and sing song and deliver it well is you know is magic and i don't think you can achieve that as much on online yeah no i, I completely agree i mean i feel like especially in a in a post covid world whenever the fuck that's going to be is that it would be nice to see a lot more intimate gigs return whether that's djing or singing because i I think you can't beat that connection when you're only a couple of feet away from someone i mean uh, don't get me wrong obviously i saw that video the other day of when you were on tour with uh sunny i think it was 2017 um at albert hall for solo toko and don't get me wrong that must have been unreal you know even though no one was only a couple of feet away from you because i think when you've got when you've got a singer on stage with a DJ, it creates a different mm. kind of vibe and connection than it does when someone's just mm. DJing. It's, it's, it's mad, really, but, yeah, it's uh, it's class. That's what I noticed when... Um, I, I know that you're good friends with her when I looked after uh, Janai when she played yeah. with Sunny um, at Lab 11. The difference when she came on stage, like, the reaction and how it changed was... Uh, mm. it was mm. It was class. But um, I had... Um, Tracks because they're a bit more moody, and the sets 
that he plays, it would be weird to interrupt his set to come out and sing a song. Do you know what I mean? It just wouldn't translate. Yeah. It's not that kind of vibe. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with a Sonny Federa uh, track, it is. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's perfect for that. Yeah. Um, so I think that the marriage between the two has to be right, you know? Yeah, that, that's a really good point, to be fair. Your, your experience has shown there and your knowledge anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I had... Um, oh, yeah. I had I had Janssen's on a couple of um, podcasts ago, um, who's worked with like Liz Cass um, and Doe Perth Alien, like a couple of different vocalists. And um, what I've noticed personally now is there's there's this over reliance, in my opinion. I don't know what you think from a lot of up and coming producers, where they're not they're not working in a studio with a vocalist. It's almost like oh yeah just just send me that clip and then i'll see what i can do with it but i i personally feel to get the best uh, production and and the most out of a track and have it as successful as possible i i'm sure you would agree because you've done it countless times is you need to be vibing in the studio with that producer I wouldn't you... agree. yeah yeah i actually wouldn't agree oh you wouldn't no okay challenged me there as well because at first I thought you said I agree and I was nodding and then you said no no I disagree I was just going to crawl back into my hole in the uh, the wardrobe now it's 
it's good because <laughs> I think that's a piece of advice for up and coming producers is just shut the fuck up and let the vocalist do his or her thing. Um, that you said in it. <laughs> from Disciples and he is so talented as a writer as a producer and it's good to sort of you know you're right in the top line and he's doing whatever and you just people who can add little bits here's a little bit of seasoning here you go you know what I mean like so it's good when you have that kind of dynamic I think uh, if you've got too many writers in a session there's too many sort of cooks if just in my personal opinion yeah um, but not to say that when you find that you know great combination between you and another person it's fire, you know, and yeah, it's yeah. great. I suppose it, it probably just varies from um, from time to time and experience to experience because yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I've not I've not been in a recording studio, so I'm not going to sit here and try and challenge you too much. But it, it's it's like you say as well. It, it's it's like anything. You can have a load of talented writers, but you know you know as well as I do. It's like with any bit of business when you've got egos clashing and you you know your idea is good but then if someone else is like no my idea is better or something like that then you know that mm-hmm. what could have been special actually ends up becoming a bit of a mm-hmm. bit of a shit storm because people are clashing <laughs> too much something along those lines anyway um the next point that i wanted to to come on to is um obviously the whole world of social media where personally for me i mean i'm only 26 but i've experienced ups and downs over the past few years but luckily i've not fallen into that trap now like i think when you take a step back and you observe it you look at everyone and you think everyone just uploads the best bits and the highlights of their life and you think everything is mm. glitz and glamour and especially, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that you would um, agree and you're very grateful for the opportunities that have come your way, obviously through hard work and, you know, years of mm. working at it. But people might think, you know, from, from looking at your socials, oh, she, she's on tour or she's in this studio with this artist. But um, I know that you said, and I really appreciate you um being open about you know some of the hardships and struggles and knockbacks that you've faced over the years so I just wondered if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about um there's been a lot of positives but maybe mm-hmm. what what you've struggled with over the years as well Because it can be quite precarious, you know. 
I've just obviously got a record deal during lockdown, um, which has been blessed, and I feel very, very lucky to have had that opportunity to do that. But, you know, there was, I'm trying to think, well, there was a point, I think it was, I just started moving into, like, the house arena, or sort of releasing tracks within the house arena. And, um, but there was, like, a, big, a bit of a lull, and I was just like, oh, I, I don't, wouldn't, definitely wouldn't say depressed, but I would say, like, I was just miserable for a bit. And I was like, music, man, you're killing me, bro. Like, like you're my best friend, but what are you doing? He's like, you're just killing me right now. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not feeling me now. And um, so my mom just came down. She's like, dude, man, like, you know, you're an interesting, creative, complex human being. Like, stop just putting all your... Um, self-worth into this one thing go and do some other shit for a bit still do your music and that but stop putting your entire self-worth into this one tiny aspect of your life you know not tiny aspects of your life but do you know what I mean like your, your person yeah um, so like I went back and I, I went and re-studied I wasn't going to go to I did an access course I wasn't intending on going back to university but I just thought I need a year to just be doing other shit you know what I mean like so I went um, back, I went to Molly College, big up Molly College, <laughs> and I um, I did philosophy and history and creative writing, and it was the best thing ever, because I was kind of, I was, you know, exploring all these other parts of my brain, yeah, and, yeah. you know, being creative other ways that I could then bring to music, um, but there was, the pressure was lifted, yeah. and by the end of the course, I got a record deal, do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just like, you know, the universe tells you, yo, just chill the fuck out a bit, you know what I mean, like, just sit down, breathe, take a minute, you know, Yeah. and sometimes you just have to hold your L's and take, just take a seat for a bit, sometimes it's not your turn, but, you know, it's one of my favourite sayings, my dad's saying, if you stay in the barbershop long enough, you'll get a haircut. <laughs> class, that is class. Yeah. But now, I, I, was, I was exactly the same as you, but mine was the opposite way around, like, I'm I studied history and politics and I was going to go uni and then yeah. I discovered house and I was like, fuck that, I'm not going uni now. <laughs> and, and then I ended up doing it the other way around. But hopefully... <laughs> but hopefully in, in years to come, I'll, I'll think, you know what, getting a bit sick in music now, I'll, I'll go back and actually um, do the degree. And do, do you feel like it not only put things into perspective but left you coming back feeling a lot more like refreshed and recharged because you just did something completely different to what you were doing. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I was doing bits along the way as well. But after that, I, I, do you know what? I, I just felt, it's almost like, have you, have you got a driving licence? No, I haven't, you know. I haven't. Well, when you get your driving licence, you know, I, I got my own later on in life. I think it was like, I can't remember how old I was, but like, it's like, that sense of you're not forced to do this education you're doing it out of choice you know what i mean and it's like when you get to the end of it and you get the driving license like you get to the end of it and you get this certificate that says that you've put your mind to something and you've achieved it you know without having a teacher telling you to do it or your parents saying go to fucking school it's like it, it just feels like shit i can do stuff i yeah. I, I can achieve you know what i mean and it's just a, such a self well a, a, a self I can't remember what the word is, but it just makes you feel good about yourself and reminds you that you are capable, you know, beyond just one dimension. Yeah, no. If that makes any sense. No, no, absolutely. I think I think it's a good piece of advice because even though it's your 
your passion in, in your life and that's what you said you you wanted to do obviously from an early age I think sometimes when you can be at something for years and years but then you realize you think I've actually done not much else than just invest mm. every single bit of myself into yeah. the music but uh I've just seen there one of the old school doormen just said get a driving license and this, you know what it is though because I live in this city centre and I live I live literally two minutes away from everything I'm just like doing my bit for the environment man I'm I'm helping bigging up David Attenborough that's what I'm doing helping the helping the helping my future kids but um the, the next point um that I wanted to discuss obviously with everything that's been going on I mean it's, it's something that's been going on for years and years, but it's only come to light more more recently um, because of all the horrendous events. Is um, through like the discrimination and and underlying racism within the music industry. Obviously, you know I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or drop names or anything like that. But I just wanted to ask you what's your kind of experiences over the years, and has your experiences been generally positive or have, I mean if has it ever been difficult because of like your your background and your ethnicity or mm-hmm. not for me personally i've never experienced discrimination because i'm of mixed heritage mm. how i think that i'll probably experience more discrimination because i'm a woman mm. i think that you know women kind of get especially as features you sort of like get you know second fiddle you know what i mean you, you sometimes don't even get your name on the track or you put, you put in a video and um, but not personally i can't say personally for me i've experienced that however it's clearly there you yeah know, some of the best singers in the uk um are people of color yet the charts are very very white and not reflective of um of people of colour, however, they are, you know, they, they buy, uh, you know, black culture. Mm. You know, house music is, is black music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our black music, you know what I mean? So I, I, it's definitely there. You know, it's, you tend to sort of have a lot of black uh, backing singers, but very rarely are they the lead singer. Um, and very rarely do you find black artists doing what would be considered well, black music. You kind of get black artists doing what would be perceived as um, more sort of white music. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think, do you know what I mean? And then you get like white artists doing more black music. I, I don't know why that is, but I, I kind of, I, I, that's what I sort of perceive anyway. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? No, no, I, I, I do agree. I mean, I had one of my friends on who's, who's from London, um, Asher, who's a, who's a talented up and coming producer. And he was raising the point how it really concerns him, and and I agree is that is the lack of um, black promoters, and it's almost like right. this um, almost this this assumption and and prejudice that if you were like mixed race or or black and you're a promoter and you go to a venue that some like owners or event managers make that assumption that because of your skin colour that there's going to be trouble associated with yeah, the event yeah. and I, I just think that's yeah, yeah. that's absolutely insane but um I, w- I wondered kind of what what your opinions were as as to what you would like to see change obviously there's a lot that needs to change but how how you think that could be changed you know like for a positive way like what I think generally attitudes towards black people uh, and, and you know people of colour need to change 
because that's coming from a deep-rooted racism. That's mm. coming, you're not from, it's not, nothing, no, not, not from the music industry, that's coming from you having a fear of blackness. Do you know what I mean? And thinking yeah. blackness is mutually exclusive with violence and um, bad behaviour and, and, you know, hate, do you know what I mean? Fuckery, a rave kind of thing. Um, and so that that's coming from a, a, a institutional, baked into the cake, racism in this country mm. which is very much there yeah, um, is, is. and so I think that we need to work for, at that from the ground up and I think that that will naturally filter into people's psyches yeah I mean I, I feel I, I know you know, we won't go into it too much obviously don't get me wrong I'd love to spend hours talking about it and you, you could spend days talking about it but I really feel like if you change the education system from primary school mm. upwards then mm. you know all these ignorant, uh, narrow-minded generations are here now. That's going to fade out. They'll fuck off and be six feet under. Then all the all the future kids, if you if you teach them things from day one, then you know you you train their mindset for how things should be instead of you know. And it makes you wonder why they haven't though, doesn't it? Yes, well, you know I mean? like, true, man. podcast just on history i think we'd smash it for a couple of hours (laughs) but um i just wanted to refer back as well especially because there's there's quite a few vocalists that have have got in touch with me and i think that kind of um ties in nicely with the point around there's still clearly even if you haven't experienced discrimination um of someone of mixed heritage it's that and and no one can deny it the music industry is heavily male dominated so some of the more senior figures in the music industry will assume that okay we're going to take this female vocalist voice and give her a slice of fuck all even though you could have written the song your vocal hook is what makes that track as special as what it is and then (laughs) somehow you you yeah yeah but i mean Obviously, you've probably learned a lot over over the years. And what what do you think really helped you in terms of getting a slice of what you deserve? Was it just you being a, a you know a lot more adamant and forceful when you go into these meetings, or having good management and publishing and agents, yeah. or was it a combination? Or I think, um, like I explained to you at the beginning, having that first experience and just thought this is not fair. That's not cool. Um, and just not liking the taste of it and not being able to enjoy it because it didn't feel fair. Um, that I, I guess from an early, early stage kind of made the decision that I'm not, I'm not doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like 
unless you're paying me a good wedge to not be on the to, to, to just have my voice voice on the song. Yeah. I'm still getting if I've written that song, I'm getting fifty percent. Yeah. Sometimes I will compromise. Say like if it's if it's two producers that have made the beat and I've written the top line. Sorry, notification. Oh good. <laughs> I've written the top line. I'll go like forty percent, and you can take thirty percent each, just to make it nice and round kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that just having been doing it for such a long time, being able to have the balls to say, "Now nah, then, I tell you what, take your track and fuck off." Yes. <laughs> yes, Alex. I'd rather, not, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather keep my integrity, and I'd rather. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I don't like anybody who takes kudos for shit that they haven't done. And if I've written, I think that's one of the most butters and ugly things you can do, taking credit for work that you haven't done. So, like, if I've written the song, I'm taking what is due. Yeah. Simple. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it is, like you say, um, retaining that integrity and knowing your worth because... I think not not just with with females, but just any vocalist in in general. When they're up and coming, they feel like, oh yeah, I, I have to work with this artist, and I, and I'll just take whatever they give me. And it's like, well, no, clearly, if someone wants to work with you and they value you that much, they'll give you what you're entitled to. But I do I do feel like I, I appreciate it. it is a difficult one because it's easy probably for me to say because I'm quite naturally confident and I'd probably go yeah. in balls deep and I'd just be like look like same as you I'd be like nah this is this is what I feel like I'm worth but for people who don't have confidence I think like if you have that if you have that conversation from the get-go it's either like this is the royalties percentage or this is the recording fee then yeah. then the expectation is set before the work's even done yeah, no worry. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good to do uh, I don't think protecting themselves like have you in terms of management obviously i know i spoke to amy who was really lovely have you worked with her on a long-term basis have you or uh, no i haven't worked with her very long she's just a friend to be fair and she just does the day-to-day stuff but i did have a manager uh called Aaron ross for a long time he was my manager for about three years and he was amazing and i would had a couple of managers before that who were great but the combination just wasn't right and it is just the best thing to get somebody who you can trust to walk into a 
happy and confidently and you know that they've got your back, they know that they've got integrity, you know that they know how to carry themselves and that they're not going to be a pushover. And that is just... But you know what is the most important thing, actually? I feel get you a good lawyer. Just get a good music lawyer and build a good rapport with them because good music lawyers know all the managers. Good music lawyers know all the publishing houses and they know all the record labels. This is a good piece of advice, actually, for young artists who are breaking into the industry. They always say, I've got to get a manager or I'm just going to send my stuff to a record label. Do you know how many CDs get sent to a record label? Like, or how many fucking... A lot. I mean, don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't doing that. Google good music solicitors and send send them an email and just say, look, I've been doing this for a while. I've really make sure you've honed your craft first though when you've got your shit tight and it is just the best two to three tracks that you were ever gonna fucking make. Do you know what I mean? Keep it short, keep it succinct and concise and send them a link to two to three tracks and just say, look, this is what I want to do. I'm looking for management, or I'm looking for a record deal, da 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 da. A good music lawyer will introduce you to everybody you need to know. Big up, that's a that's a class piece of advice, man. Definitely. So <laughs> other than that, um in terms of like your releases i know that you said you know working with with basement jacks was one for, for the bucket list but um what would you say are like your favorite releases today and then also what have you got coming up that you can give us a little bit of a sneak peek into okay um so it's gotta be always gonna be really and um, that's probably i mean it's the most successful one so you know, you you got to be proud of the ones that's paying your motherfucking bills. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's a great track as well, and it's a funny one that because I didn't actually write it to that beat, I wrote it to another beat, and then when Sunny came back and said, oh, I've used the beat for something else, I was like, no! And then he showed me the new beat, and I was still like, no, I want the other beat! Um, and it only really took it for the track to be released and for everybody else to say, yo, this is sick, for me to be like, okay, yeah, okay, it's sick. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously I have a, a real connection. That, all of the ones that I've done with Hot Since 82, he just, he lets me just run with it. And it, I think when I first started working with him, it was at a time where I just needed, I needed someone to kind of scoop me up and he did, you know what I mean? It, musically kind of thing. And yeah. just let me kind of do what I wanted to do. And uh yeah just i, I enjoyed that the, uh, that creative process i think that's why we've continued to work with each other time and time mm. again that's my favorite uh, release definitely the restless on there um, uh honestly like that's why i uploaded the track today um that like, bear in mind that was when i first started listening to uh to house music but i mean hot, hot since 82 daily is um as a dj and as a producer it's not hard to see why he's he's been successful as he has and then he's sure. from he's from near you as well isn't he Bar- barnsley he kind is, of way yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. from around the corner yeah <laughs> and he's a good egg and that, that makes a lot of difference you know selfish games yes selfish <laughs> games is about it <laughs> <laughs> um do you know i loved um amnesia with crazy cousins as well i think we put that, that was like last year but i tried a whole new creative process with that um like i learned this tip um, about writing new melodies, which is like you should take um, you should take speeches. Actually, shout out to Barack Obama, yeah, because like that's how I wrote the melody for the hook on Amnesia. You basically take a speech and you take like the intonation of how they say it. So da 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 da. And then I went every day I forgive you more. And then so I just changed the notes, but I used the same 
yeah, I think I think Barack Obama's just joined as well. So if you want to just uh, <laughs> trying to just big him up again. <laughs> yeah. So um, j- just before um we finish, because I think Instagram's a tight fucker. It only gives you an hour, so we've got we've got two minutes left. I mean, what what kind of advice would would you give really to anyone who's up and coming i know you've made some really good points about like music lawyers or anything like that what would you say to anyone who's maybe sitting there or watches this back that probably realizes they've got the talent but really Mm. wants to take that leap and progress in the industry Sonny's on tour um, at Lab 11 where I work in February so hopefully you roll through drop a couple of <laughs> drop a couple of tracks anyway yeah but um, cool. no, thanks so much and uh, take care and I'm sure you'll have a successful rest of your career anyway thank you darling cheers take care bye bye see you later